Yeah, yeah. I know Craig. I see. Craig gets a lot of work these days, I guess. Today on We Love to Learn About Bugs, we have a very, very special guest. Don't we, Mark? Bugmaster, yeah. please ignore my cat. He's playing with a toy. I'll try to ignore it. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, today we have our very first celebrity guest. Uh, so far, it's just been our dumb friends who nobody's ever heard of except each other. Uh, and now we have a real podcast celebrity. Um, That's very right. excited to have him. We're finally <laughs> tapping into the A-list. Uh, you may know him from his car appearing in uh, the, uh, oh, what's it called, Bear? Oh, the golden one? Where my <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, wow. and- you know, my mom actually, you know, she, I was texting her today and she's like, Barry, you sound so excited. What's going on with you? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's just mom. We have just we have this very special guest coming on. And she's like, who is it? Who is it? And I'm like, it's Rodney Barry. And she's like, the guy from the Americana. <laughs> oh wow, is that what is that what you know me from? <laughs> That's where my mom knew you from. <laughs> and and anyway, we're just we're freaking pleased as punch. We we imagine that um, our fame is going to skyrocket now that. We have someone who's twice as famous as us on. <laughs> wow, I don't know if I'm twice as famous. Oh, Rod, please, you're being far you, too much. You certainly are. You certainly are. Um, I think. I mean, I think I might help you guys get two, three listens. I, I, that's the kind of number I can bring in. Well, that's three times as famous. <laughs> that, yeah, no, we'll, we will take that, and uh, yeah, no, that'll be a red letter day for us. Rod, please tell us what is your relationship with bugs. Uh, you know, I've had I've had a good amount of experience with bugs. I've lived with some bugs. Uh, I mean, like pretty. I've I've had bed bugs. I've had. Uh, like Are those fruit. the bugs that you lived with? Yeah, I live with some. I live with some bed bugs. I live with some fruit flies and some roaches. Uh, that's like most of my experience, I think. Now, Rob, Just now, Rob, we got it. Like I already got to say, and I'm sure Mark is feeling the exact same thing. We love how you refer to these bugs as roommates, including the the bed bug. Mm-hmm. One of yes. the worst roommates I've ever had. <laughs> Look, hey, we never said that. Yeah, exactly. We never said all roommates were good, but yeah, no, we all good. we all know better than that. We've been around. <laughs> um, I have had one night of experiencing bed bugs in my life, um, oh. although I, you know, I know a fair bit about them because in the entomology realm, I. I've had a lot of uh, reason to study like medically important things and pests and stuff, but um, uh-huh. yeah, they're they're no fun. Um, it was in a hotel, thankfully, and I didn't bring them home with me, so I I, I just got to visit with them. Um, yeah, I, I I did a few months with the bed bugs. Oh, how did you clear? How did you clear them up? They're they're famously um, very very hard to get rid of. See, we I think the lease was over, and we told the landlord, and we moved out. Okay. Did you burn your like? Did you bring anything with you? Like, I I got rid of most luggage. of my, I got mo- rid of most of my stuff, and I like sprayed everything down with like the raid bed mm-hmm. bed bug things. Like I think I kept my bed, but I, like I sprayed it down and I like left it somewhere for like three days. Right. It, yeah, it was. I did, and I didn't bring them into my new new place, which was good. Yeah, no, that's that's a relief. Uh, but it was it was a total nightmare. They also like like so you think like oh maybe I can just wear like a long sleeve shirt and and sleep in like 
my socks and, and maybe I just won't get bites, but no, they'll like, they'll just bite you all around your wrist and just make it even more noticeable and just a totally miserable thing. And they bite so much. It's not just one bite. It's like a trail of bites on you. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I, I mentioned on a, on a previous episode that I, my friend and I are trying to accumulate images that illustrate sort of, uh, if you get bit by something, like maybe it would be possible to recreate or, or interpret what bit you. And bed bugs are one of the ones that you can definitely do that for because they have yes. a, classic, a classic pattern where they bite like in a line. They bite you once, move, bite again, move. Yeah, gross. Oh, and we had like, you had like popcorn, like ceiling. So like you like look around your bed, Ooh, and, like you couldn't find them. <laughs> like you have, but like you look up top and you'd see they're like kind of hiding in the crevices of the popcorn ceiling. Oh, so yeah. at night they would drop down on. <laughs> oh, nice! Hidey, <laughs> falling little friends. Yeah, it's it's truly unbelievably miserable. Um, my understanding is to get rid of bed bugs, you need to get a tent. So I think you're a t- camping store. And you just put a tent <laughs> that you need the bugs out of. That makes sense. Just set the tent up on your bed so that they don't. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that could work. Well, let's talk about the flip side then, because it seems like the bed bugs. I'm getting the vibe that maybe it was a slightly unpleasant experience. Um, Rod, you like to hang out, right? What kind of bug do you want to chill with? Uh. You know, I saw a really cool praying mantis the other day. Wow. Yeah. A very wise bug. And it doesn't seem like they want to bother me at all, but they do look very cool. So I like that. They're very pious. <laughs> very <laughs> pious. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, they don't move very fast either, like except for when they're attacking like with their pincher arms, which that they do very fast. But they don't. They're a good one to have to hang out with because they just kind of very slowly mosey around, try and pretend yeah. like they're a leaf or whatever. They're just like hanging out on a stick or whatever. Yeah. For me, a, a thing that freaks me out a lot is when things make really unpredictable and fast movements. Even if it's something I know is harmless or whatever, if, it, if I can't predict what it's going to do, then I, I get nervous. And a praying mantis is a good predictable bug. You ever deal with like a June bug? Just like falling out of the sky. Have you guys? Oh, sure. I get it gets smacked in my forehead. I've had that happen a dozen times or so. Yeah. That's one of the worst bugs to me. Just like, just can ruin your day. Oh, they're just clumsy though. Blunderers, yeah. <laughs> Any kind of bug that's like flying around really fast and just bumping into things. I don't really, just get away, just stay away from it. But it's lovable. They're like Mr. Magoo or Gerald <laughs> Ford. <laughs> I don't know if I would want Mr. Magoo like actually clobbering into me though. Like <laughs> if it's in terms of who to hang out with, I don't know if I'd want to hang out with Mr. Magoo or Gerald Ford. I mean, Mr. Magoo is basically on the bottom of my list of people I want to hang out with. <laughs> oh no, poor Mr. Magoo. He's, he's a little too smart. clumsy for me. Yeah. No, how are you supposed to have fun if you got to watch out for your for your hangout buddy all the time? I, mean, I know he's going to be fine, but he's he's freaking me out walking into traffic like that. Right. <laughs> But he's taken it. He's taken it fine. I have a feeling, though, if if he were to die um, horribly after being hit by a truck, uh, he would barely he would barely even experience it because he's just chatting to himself the entire time, having a nice day. Yeah. Mark, what's oh, a mind. Okay. favorite food? My favorite food. A praying mantis <laughs> favorite food. Hurry. Oh, uh, 
communion wafers. <laughs> All right. So, well, it's a good, it's a good answer for Rod then. So, Rod, that's really it funny. sounds like you're going to be hanging out with praying mantis eating communion wafers. Yeah, that's not so bad. Nice, that's a nice little snack. Yeah, I mean, it, you could you could season them, right, Mark? Is that okay? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, put some cheese on it. Whatever. Get some red I, wine. I really just assumed that they ate other bugs, but I guess communion wafers. That's the that's the praying thing. They're like meat, though, Mark. Yes, they're they're predatory for sure. Yeah, yeah. they like to eat smaller like ground beef. <laughs> Maybe. Um, a Did lot of times. Ever- Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask if you ever learned in school that uh, they used to think that flies were just born of rotten meat. Do you guys mm-hmm. remember learning that? Yes. I definitely thought that independently, <laughs> that maggots just grew out of meat and turned into flies. Well, like, in yeah. the 1500s or whatever, you would have been a top scientist and surprised <laughs> for coming up with that. Hell yeah. Maybe I get to meet Merlin. You look at that. You look at that rotten meat. You see those maggots. You're like, well, I guess that's just how it happens. Mm-hmm. The meat. The meat is their mommy. <laughs> we have to have sex, but they just kind of just appear out of rotten meat. And I'm gonna go with that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's nobody. Nobody think about it any further. <laughs> get back. Get back to picking crops or whatever. Go back to toiling. Yeah. yeah go back to toiling. Surfs. <laughs> I've thought about everything already. You go back to toilet. Nice. <laughs> Mark, I want to hear what's your favorite, what kind of bug you want to hang out with? God, I got nothing. It's like blank page oh, anxiety because I love every bug. Uh, you love every bug? Yeah. Uh, Mark. Not every bug. There's, there's so many bugs. There's a couple that I don't love. But um, wow. okay. Well, Mark, let's 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 do. Well, and that I specifically wouldn't want to hang out with bed bugs. That's that, you know. Bed, we, yeah, that's one I would not want to hang out with. Bed bugs are taking a pummeling in this episode. Well, Sorry, bed know. bugs. It is what it is. Yeah, you chose you chose to lead that life. It's true. Um, bugs that I hang out with. I mean, I really do like caterpillars because they're they inter- like, they're, they're always interesting. Terrible. They're very sort of low maintenance and easy to keep track of and you can watch them <laughs> grow up into a butterfly and yeah. love to eat. They do love to eat. Yeah. They're very fun. I love them. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not, not a very exotic answer, but caterpillars are really satisfying. I mean, I like butterflies too, though. Butterflies, butterflies growing into caterpillars, that's good stuff. I mean, caterpillars growing into, yeah, the other way around. To me... Um, I li- I grew up kind of close to Grover Beach. It's like, and they have like the Monarch Butterfly <laughs> Reserve. I'm your friend. <laughs> they have a big Monarch Butterfly Reserve. Uh-huh. Um, and like you just like, it feels like thousands of them, just so many of them um, during like, I want to say it's like late fall, early winter kind of. And maybe it's even later. I don't remember. But we'd go and like, there's just so many of them and you just like walk around the reserve and watch all like, I don't know. It just seems like the whole tree is butterflies sometimes. That is a really cool thing that I've never seen, but I've read a lot about. Um, So the Western monarch population of North America has a migratory pathway that goes up into Canada and down to this one like mountain range in Mexico. And it's, Mm -hmm. and they... It's unusual for like migratory animals. Like, it's a weird sort of scientific 
question because the the monarch butterfly's migration takes longer than any individual butterfly lives. So each generation oh. has to sort of recognize like, oh yeah, my parents went from San Diego to Mendocino and then they had me there and now I'm going to go to Seattle and then the next generation knows to go to Vancouver and then they know to turn around. It's like this multi-generational migration and how does each generation know what part of the process to do like it oh my god i didn't realize it was that complicated yeah it's a really really weird system um it's also very sad because that population of monarchs has almost totally collapsed in the last like 30 years oh yeah it still happens but there's almost none left so um but people on the west coast should plant milkweed if you have any kind of garden plot or anything plant milkweed and that'll help is that support these is that anything related to a butterfly bush uh it could be i mean butterfly there's common names like there's lots of things that people might call a butterfly bush but milkweed is is an all-purpose term for something that attracts butterflies yeah but milkweed i think a lot of people call it butterfly plant um but it's the only thing that monarchs eat like they literally cannot (laughs) eat anything other than milkweed so if you plant a little bit of it then that'll help them to make their way on the migration sounds like me when i was 20 Oh, I'm not... Milk and weed, baby. Oh, I'll talk to my mom about it. I'll make sure she plants some milkweed. I didn't know. Uh... Yeah, yeah. No, there's, oh, uh, nice. there's, there's probably like citizen science projects where you can like download a brochure and they'll mail you like a packet of seeds and you can get a certificate or, you know, like it's a, bi- a big deal because a lot of people, a lot of people were as excited as you are about those, that experience of seeing them. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't, uh, yeah, just uh, just a thing that's in in my hometown. I guess that's another experience with bugs that I forgot about. That's a, a positive one. one. Yeah, <laughs> wow. not just the ones that live in my apartment. I'm loving learning about this. Everybody, pay a visit to Grover Lake, Grover Beach. Grover Beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's a question at Amazing Fun Pictures at Socket Quest. I saw an intro. Inter- internship posting for doing field research about bugs. I don't want to apply for it, but hypothetically, if I did, would Mark write a recommendation letter for me? Yes, I will write a recommendation letter for any of our listeners if they want to volunteer and do field research on bugs. Wait, Mark, can I ask you what, what exactly... Do you work with bugs? I, I don't know if we've ever really even... We kind of just jumped in at the top level of forcing everyone to just except that I'm a bug expert. Um. <laughs> yeah, I do I do want to get into what how why you're so why you know so much about the bugs. I uh, did my undergraduate degree at the University of Maryland and I studied bugs there and did a lot of like research with a I sort of jumped jumped into their entomology department as like a a research assistant and got a lot of good experiences there um, and then I did a whole bunch of grad school um, centered around bugs. Um, and then I couldn't find work in that field that was in the same place as where, you know, I needed to live. So yeah, I took a really cool job that has a slightly different focus, but I don't exclusively work with bugs. So I work in a reference diagnostic laboratory 
for parasitic diseases. And oh. so, um, like, people all around the country, medical doctors are like, oh, I studied parasites for, like, a day in medical school. I think this might be a parasite. I just don't have the expertise. I'm going to forward it to my state public health lab. And then the state public health lab is going to be like, oh, that's definitely... Uh, malaria, but we don't know which kind of malaria, we're going to send it up to the reference diagnostic lab. And that's where I work. And so we get all the like really tricky, obscure human parasitic disease cases, most worms. of which are most of which are worms and protozoa and things like that. But there are poo-poo. a couple. Yeah, I work a lot with blood and poo-poo. Um, <laughs> but we do get occasional, there are some human, there, there are Insect parasites of humans. So every once in a while, uh, one of those will come in like a parasitic fly that like the maggots will get into your skin oh. and, and that kind oh. of thing. And so then I get very excited because I can, like, <laughs> that's time. sort of my, my moment to shine. <laughs> really? like, oh, Passionate. yeah, well, your work. <laughs> you're, you're bringing up the rear with all this other, you know, worm stuff. But when it comes to insects, man, you're, you're our go-to guy. So, so I do still work with bugs somewhat. Um, uh-huh. But I work with... Right now, my job is is just general parasites of humans. Oh, wow. the bug never left. Yeah, oh. yeah. A maggot in my skin does feel uh, it, it, particularly I've been, gross. I've been by that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. So, among like academic entomologists, who you know, it's everyone wants to go to the tropics because that's where the coolest, biggest, fanciest bugs are. Mm-hmm. But that's also where these uh, bot flies. B-O-T, bot flies. Um, there are ones that can attack monkeys and, and will also attack humans if they're around. And if you Even are, the fly world has to deal with bots. <laughs> <laughs> if you, uh, and if you're one of these entomologists who gets a bot fly, it's like this weird rite of passage to try to allow it to fully grow up to adulthood. It's really disgusting and really painful. Um, Oh, because you have to lay it on you, Yeah, right? like you're like, oh, oh shoot, I feel yeah. this squirming, painful sensation in my skin. That's I think right. I've got a bot fly. And by the time it's ready to become an adult fly, it's like the size of a grape, and it's right under the surface of your skin. Oh. And it's covered Ooh. with like oh. little hooks that like keep it, because so, so it's hard to dislodge from the meat of your boy, skin. Oh boy. And then in the end, it's like, oh, okay, well, then this big fat fly comes out, and you can put it to your, into your collection. And so if you can if you can put up with all of that and you have a self-raised the size of a grape they're big yeah yeah um, you get a little sun <laughs> yeah that's my son but it's it's this amazing like rite of passage it's like getting a uh, it's like oh. getting an achievement badge or something like if yeah. you have Jesus. if you have this I that suppose. you that you raised from your own flesh then you're yeah, that's like a platinum that's achievement cool. that's uh-huh. pretty you're a true entomology oh, yeah. badass for sure <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a real honor if you can get the platinum trophy for all of the sciences. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, amazing, fun pictures. Mark will, in fact, write a recommendation layer for you. But it sounds like you're not actually applying for the internship, so that's moot. Yep. Uh, from Jack at Pooh Jackal. What bug makes the best pet? Gosh, there are a lot. Ants are pretty uh, good. Ants, ant, yeah. ant farm is classic, like teaching kids about bugs, teaching them about society and like knowing your place in the hierarchy and <laughs> build your own. <laughs> it's important that yeah, kids know, know that. Place. Right. Acknowledge <laughs> your role and realize you will never be able to change what, you know, caste in society you belong to. 
Um, They'll understand why the teachers have them line up by income at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ants are great. Um, there's a lot. They're entertaining, and there's a lot you can learn from them. Um, I have a lot of friends who keep like tarantulas. Um, our past guest Taylor oh, yeah. has a beautiful right. tarantula. Um, those are fun because they're kind of big enough to be interesting to look at, and they live a long time. And um, scorpions. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's stuff that if you're if you're like a goth person Scorpion. who wants to impress people, if you're the kind of person who wants to you know walk around town with a parrot on your shoulder, oh, or if you want to freak people out with oh. your dangerous pets like a scorpion is one that seems badass but is actually pretty easy to manage and not that dangerous if you don't what do you, know. you just feed it crickets or yeah yeah you just keep it in a little box and you feed it crickets and change its water crickets in there yeah okay so I, they're, they're pretty easy i've seen people with tarantulas i don't know if i've seen anybody with with a scorpion but scorpions do look very cool mm-hmm yeah, tarantulas are kind of like entry level for like badass, dangerous seeming bugs. Mm-hmm. And then there's a within that group, there's people who have to take it to the next level and they're like, I've got a foot long centipede or I've got a, Ugh. you know, I've got a deadly, <laughs> deadly oh, scorpion yeah, yeah. or whatever. Oh, you so, know, I like those beetles. What Sometimes people have like those big beetles. I don't know. Uh, yes. Like, like rhino beetles. Yeah, those are cool. Like our those like our friend cool. the Hercules beetle, Mark. Mm-hmm. We we uh, are batting a thousand still for talking about the Hercules beetle in every single episode. But um, yeah, like in other parts, like in Japan, I think it's a, a big, pretty common thing to keep uh, like big stag beetles and like it's a it's not an unusual hobby to collect beetles and and try to keep them in a little terrarium or whatever. So they're good. They're shiny. They don't hurt anybody. But if just remember, everybody, if you decide to give a bug a, a little enclosed habitat, don't don't treat it like a piece of furniture. Remember, it's alive. Don't just be a tyrant and forget about this living thing. Yeah, put some air holes in it. Yeah, you know, do sure, some reading. Okay. Figure out what it likes to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and check the internet at least a couple times. Yeah, it's- come on, check a few sites. <laughs> Um, okay, and all right, Jack's getting a little greedy because he's got a follow-up question. Ah, oh, Jack, classic. Why do spiders scare me? Now we've 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 definitely covered this tangentially, uh, but it's but just the the alienness, the many eyes, the many legs, the insectoid body with the hair. Mark. Yeah. No, I think I think it's an important good topic um i was just looking on twitter at it there's someone who's he's a naturalist I, I don't know if he's necessarily a bug guy but um but he was posting about how he has he was arachnophobic but because he's a naturalist and he loves all kinds of living things he wanted to get over it and uh and and over time he has learned to like accommodate spiders in his house and 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 i think that the biggest yeah the biggest way to do that is to become to observe them and read about them or listen to this podcast and learn about them so that some of the stuff that seems freaky about the way they act, (laughs) um, if you're weirded out by the way that they act or you don't understand like what they're doing and so you're worried they might bite you or you're worried they might lunge at you or whatever, if you become more familiar with the way they live and the reasons why they do the things they do, then you can feel more comfortable like, oh, this spider is hunting for really, really tiny flies to eat. 
It has no interest in biting me. It just thinks I'm a big piece of furniture or a, you know, a mountain to climb. It's not, it's not interested in me for biting purposes. That would be a waste of its It'd energy. Be, It'd be, yeah, it wouldn't get anything out of it except maybe squished. <laughs> to, yeah, to be like, exactly. I'm going to bite this guy. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And, 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 but it's kind of hard to... Until you have a little bit of information, it's hard to sort of project... And, and be like, oh, if I was a spider, would I be interested in biting this giant thing that could gush me? No, I'd just be, in, I'd ignore it or I'd uh, run away from it. Yeah, um, in my mind, I've always thought of uh, spiders, especially, just like as a thing that has almost no interest in me. It's sure. <laughs> yeah. Philosophy for like, almost all bugs. Well, some bugs want to eat the food that I, I have. Oh, uh, that's mm-hmm. right. And that's bad. Also, bed bugs want to eat you. Bed yes. bugs want to eat me. But there are bugs that have no interest in what I'm doing, other than maybe like, go ahead and stay away from me. Yeah, that's that's I would say absolutely correct. There, if they notice you at all, it's to notice and try to assess whether you're a threat to them or not. Yeah, things like bees, things like spiders, things that like can be scary. I I guess because you do know that some are poisonous, or you can be allergic to bees, or just getting stung by a bee does suck. But you have to remember, like, a bee doesn't want to sting you. That's not true. Do yeah. shit. <laughs> you don't need to actively flee. Just don't freak out. Don't mess with it. Yeah. All yeah. right. No, but I think, that, I think you nailed it exactly as to why Jack was weirded out by spiders. Because they are so unfamiliar and hard to understand or, or empathize with. And Jack, it's, it's very disappointing. It sounds like uh, you hadn't yet learned one of the... One of the oldest childhood lessons. Don't judge a bug by its cover. <laughs> oh boy, okay, it's amazing fun pictures again. At Socket Quest. Do fish like it? What the fuck? Do fish like it when people let them? I know this isn't what the podcast is about. So, all right. Mark? Are fish, are fish bugs? Yeah, yeah, Mark, that's, a, that's the pressing question. <laughs> is that the question? I think well, that with- might be. That's a start. That's that's the entry point. I think we have to first decide if fish are bugs, um, <laughs> and we we do have a very liberal policy for uh, naming things honorary bugs. Yes, I say yes. I think so. I think a fish could be a uh, could be a bug. Certainly, there are. Yeah, I mean, fish have larvae. That's a thing that a bug has. Uh-huh. Hey, there you go. Um, a lot of times, the larva of a fish in the super juvenile stage looks very, very different from the adult and has like a totally different lifestyle. So that's kind of like the caterpillar is a whole different thing. Oh, wow. So that's kind of a thing they have in common with bugs. Um, Do fish like it when people let them? I gotta suspect that's a typo. When people do what? Uh, But what's the thing that people would do? Pet them? Pet them? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, uh, maybe... Maybe it feels nice to have their nerve endings massaged. Maybe I think all things like to be pet, but I also I've yeah. I've touched a fish. It does. It never seems that interest. It doesn't. They always just go away from you. You know what though? I've seen videos of deep sea divers petting a shark, and the mm-hmm. sharks seem to like it. It's rolling around like a puppy. Oh so, no! But I have pet like in a in an aquarium. Like you can pet like a uh, stingray. It's not. Is it a stingray? I think so. Yeah, they usually have them. You get to touch it. You can like mm-hmm. just kind of pet it very yeah. gently. 
they have to tell you not to poke it because that's what people's like instinct is, is to right. just like jab it with their finger. <laughs> that's right. what Steve Irwin did. He's at the aquarium. No, it's all wrong. I'll poke it. I I feel like a fish would if a fish is allowing you to pet it, then it's safe to assume it likes that. It's if good, it yeah. doesn't want you to, it will swim away or whatever. Um I just recently learned how to scuba dive in the last year or two, right before the wow. pandemic, actually. Right before the pandemic, learned to scuba dive. And so I'm mean, very excited to maybe be able to find some up underwater again. bugs. Yeah. Um, but so I've been watching all these like live coral reef video cameras that you can, you know, just sort of zone out and have it in the background and, and watch these cool fish swim around. And one thing that I read about is that a lot of fish will go to grooming stations because fish have skin parasites. Oh, okay. And you, the bigger fish will go to a grooming station. And it's kind of like the thing maybe you've learned about as a kid where the crocodile will open its mouth and the bird will come and <laughs> the bits uh, from between work. its teeth. Do fill Where it's sure. like a mutual, like, so the smaller fish will pick the little parasites and, and, bits of maybe dead scales or whatever off of the bigger fish and they're eating it so that's a benefit to them but for the bigger fish it clears the parasites and i think it must just feel good um yeah and they they'll line up there you there's video of fish just sort of queuing up to wait their turn at the grooming station where the small fish will come and like nibble it there that's inspiring yeah. even yeah, even, stuff, really. even fish can properly queue yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. So they could, it's possible for them to feel good from having their. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes you see like uh, they'll show like shark footage and they just have the little fish that swim like right behind them, like underneath oh, them, yeah. just kind of yeah, yeah. nibble on them. That's their little buddy. He's eating. He's just eating the shit that's on their skin. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine if dude. you were a shark and your chin was itchy. Like, what are you going to do? You got no arms? Yeah, like, hey, that's why you got, you got a couple little friends. Yes. Yeah, what's up? What's up, boys? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's the shark and the little fish. <laughs> um, so we got added. Um, and a, so this is a tweet by Anna Salinas. Anna Salinas, as far as I know, doesn't know who we are and doesn't care about us. So... Um, this question is not meant to promote them. It's meant to promote the person who added us, Shyler Neal, Wondrous Sky Kardashian. Um, they asked, pray tell. And the original tweet was, what if God was bugs? Mm. So, um, uh, yeah, if God was I, bugs, that'd be, that'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any proof. I mean, I think that God is probably bugs. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean, the odds are in favor of it. I mean, they, they're numerically by far the dominant, you know, way animals, more bugs. animals on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, and they say that God makes things in their image. So, of course, yep. the most common thing would, okay, that makes sense. Well, and Darwin had a very famous quote. Uh, Charles Darwin had a very famous quote. Oh, oh sh okay. Thanks. <laughs> I thought you meant the monkey from Wild Thornberries. Um, <laughs> Where he said, if we know one thing about God, it's that he has an inordinate fondness for beetles. Um, which is a reference to like, well, it seems like God loves beetles because that's what he made the most of. Um, 
This was Darwin's perspective back then. Um, That's why he made the most popular band, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Now, do we have we have more we have more of a different kind of bug now? Are Beatles still number one? Oh, I think Beatles are probably still number one. Um, cool. Let me make sure I attributed that right. Well, congrats to Beatles preliminarily. Or Beatles quote. I want to search number that, one. That was Darwin. Code. I nailed it. Oh, oh well, I'm, no, I think you maybe. Lying. I'm searching number one bug. Oh, uh, no. Now, so, gosh, I'm seeing it attributed to J.S. Haldane, who's another biologist. I'm seeing well, That's famous. Don't know. <laughs> Alfred Russell Wallace. Yeah, no. Uh, well, so it might be J.S. J.B.S. Haldane, who is also a biologist. He's a bug? So not Darwin. Uh, that is a good quote, though. It is very, yeah. No, it's. God loves Beatles. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, what about locusts, Mark? Aren't there a lot of those? Um, not as many kinds. So that's that's the I guess that's the distinction is like if you were gonna if you just wanted to know what there's the most number of individual alive uh, of whatever kind, it's probably ants or termites because a single termite colony or ant colony can have millions and millions of individuals in it, but they're all one kind. So I think that the, the beetle thing is that there's the most different types. So it's the most diverse group of insects. Um, but some of them are quite rare. Like, so you wouldn't, it's not like you'll go stumbling, like ants are all around us pretty much everywhere we go. Um, beetles might be a little more. Feels like technicality. I don't know. Oh, here's an amazing video. Okay, so this is from our number one listener, Pastel Princess. Um, and also, Pastel Princess messaged us and told us, <laughs> I'm certain that it wasn't, wasn't just our podcast, but told us that uh, we inspired her to pursue an etymology degree. And Mark, you gave her a really nice response to that, but that was very sweet and... Very unexpected for our stupid ass show. Yes, no, it, it does make me feel like maybe we should not tell so many lies and, and maybe try to be a little more <laughs> serious about what we're, That's right. what we're doing. But. Yeah. Mark does kind of give me, read me the riot act. After oh, I think show. Being, being it's silly about it is, I think that's kind of what is inspiring about it, isn't it? I don't know. Mark's been getting real mad at me. <laughs> yeah, there's a limit to how silly you can be. Oh wow, okay, that does make sense. So check out this this capitular in the uh, in the Discord chat if you're able. One of the strangest things I've ever seen. Mark, are you able to tell us anything about this? Yes. Um, it so it looks like a little piece of debris with like little arms coming off it of it. It looks like moss. It just looks like straight it, moss. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's kind of yellowish, greenish lumps. You, you wouldn't think it was an animal unless you saw this video and could see that it was intentionally crawling across this person's hand. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. So that's in a group of caterpillars called inchworms. Oh, it's uh, an inchworm? It's an inchworm, oh. which is, that's the name for caterpillars in the family Geometridae. Um, and so it's kind of a tricky thing with caterpillars because a lot of times their name, like there's a, you'll get some things that are named for 
the characteristics of the caterpillar. And if you happen to find it as a moth, you're like, why is this called, you know, fall army worm? It doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a moth. And it turns out it's named for the way that it's caterpillars. Um, and then there's other things that are named for the way that the adult appears. Um, and so that offers you no information about what the caterpillar is like. But um, so Geometridae, the family, is named because the adults, the moths, have a very geometric sort of polygon-shaped outline to their wings. Um, so I wonder what this so that, freaking thing would turn into. Well, I'm looking at some pictures. Uh, so we know the genus, because uh, it's in the video title, Eucyclodes. Uh, um, oh. And so I looked up Eucyclodes, and it's, there's a bunch of different kinds. So a genus can have a bunch of different species in it, and so this one does. But mostly they are little and green and white, or green and brown as adults. Um, huh. They're very cute, but... Little know, kind of guys. Yeah, like they would hide on, they would be camouflaged on tree bark or camouflaged in a pile of leaves or whatever. Um, but I've seen some other, I haven't seen this one before in, in my own experiences, but I have seen there are some inchworms that are on um, cone flowers or black eyed Susans, like just sort yeah. of basic daisy like flower, and they will cut pieces of flower petals and like other parts of the flower and stick them to their own body huh. so that they just look like a bunch of like they, they essentially coat themselves in plant bits Cute. and then that's the plant they live on and the plant they eat. And so they build their own disguise so that they kind of just look like whatever, you know, just, just plant like, if you if you watch them long enough, they don't move very fast. But if you watch them long enough, you might be like, "Oh, that bit of plants is like moving all the way across the flower from one side to the other." And so maybe there's something to this. But but it just looks like a little pile of junk made from the plant that it's consuming. So they're very crafty in disguising themselves. So what's, uh, what what was the what was the name of that? This one in the video is Eucyclodes. E U. Oh, uh, but the one. Oh well, yeah. Let's see. Oh, it. I'm sorry. Um, the one that I, I don't remember the name of the one that I oh, okay. saw. But yeah, uh, you, the Eucyclodes, the crazy caterpillar, uh, is E-U-C-Y-C-L-O-D-E-S. Um, but very cool. I love, one of the main reasons I love bugs is the incredible shapes and forms that they come in. Um. So the, the weird outline of it is a very, I won't say conscious because it's evolution, like it just happens, but, but the benefit of having that weird outline with all the branching off sort of irregular shapes is that a visual predator has what you would call a search image where it's like, it zeroes in on things that resemble a certain familiar pattern for like, oh, this is what a caterpillar looks like. And so if your silhouette is... That's like what I do with like a cheeseburger. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know what a cheeseburger looks like. So if I see it, I just I'll go ahead and eat that. Right. You're just scanning scanning your surroundings all the time for that familiar shape. But if yeah. someone took a cheeseburger and like stuck a whole bunch of chopsticks in it, or did something to to break up so that it at just a very surface visual scan, it wouldn't register as being the same shape as a cheeseburger. You might just pass it by and not 
and not eat it. So, <laughs> so that type of camouflage. So the the color is a camouflage, but also that weird broken up uh, body outline makes yeah. it seem unfamiliar to things that are looking for caterpillars. The camouflaged looper is the inchworm that sticks shit to itself. By the way. Oh, excellent. Good. I was looking it up, but did not find it yet. Oh, okay, so that's the Synclora aerata. Ha, huh, I got to say the Latin shit. <laughs> All right. This guy's got a bunch of shit stuck to him. I'm looking up this guy now. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's sticking anything to him. Mm-hmm. And they're around. I mean, I, I saw them in New Orleans. I've seen them in Texas. I've seen them in Georgia, Maryland. So if you, if you look at, like, kind of daisy-looking flowers, you might... You might run across one. Unfortunately, there is a picture of a wasp eating one, so it looks like that didn't. Yeah, well, nature's nature is tough. Yeah, nature's tough. Um. Okay, so this one's from Valerie at XO Valerie XO. Ant eaters are gross. Care to comment? Oh. <laughs> so ant eaters uh, are gross. Ant eaters. <laughs> yeah. One of one of the biggest enemies of the bug. You're right, but you know what? They're awfully cute. Yeah. I think they're cute. Well, I've already directly responded to Valerie about this. Oh, um, yeah, you showed that really cute. I showed some very cute anteaters. Baby anteater. yeah. <laughs> um, so I can, I guess I can make the case on, on her behalf, which is her follow-up was not that they're not cute to look at, but they're gross guys for eating a bunch of bugs all the time. Like they're cute to look at, but their behavior and lifestyle is gross. And why did they do that? Wow, that feels so that was her... judgmental, to be honest. Yeah, um, it, it is kind of funny that they've just they developed a long, sticky tongue. Yeah, that tongue is crazy. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of maybe the funnier things that anything has evolved into. It's, a, it's one of God's better jokes. <laughs> just a guy with like a long sticky tongue and I, I put yeah. it down the hole and I take out some ants it's longer than my body <laughs> and it can go into crevices <laughs> and cracks um, one of my favorite uh, animals is the giant anteater it kind of has panda bear colors and it Ooh. just looks like a big it looks like a sofa I mean it's, it's gigantic and um, they're really really neat they're also really really dangerous because their claws are so strong for tearing up um, anthills, um, and apparently they're they're super dangerous. One of them, at least one, has killed a zookeeper. Um, <laughs> um, and so we had a friend in New Orleans who was a zookeeper at the Audubon Zoo there, and he every so often would would take us on a back set, backstage tour, and we could go meet some of the animals, and he would show us like, oh, here, you know, like throw this frozen dead chicken into the tiger enclosure, and they'll come up and you know, like we just got this sort of extra cool behind the scenes thing. And I told him that my favorite animal was the giant anteater. He's like, Oh, we can definitely go visit them, but just fair warning. They're incredibly dangerous. Um, the males are really aggressive. And, um, we had an incident where the adult male had like the, the babies had gotten old enough that the adult male was starting to feel competitive or threatened to them and it killed one uh and then really mauled a zookeeper i believe who was trying to rescue the other baby with its claws he said that it tore down a chain link fence with its claws like basically just like you would tear down a 
like a tissue paper. You know, it it just decided it was like, oh yeah, normally I don't give a shit about getting from this side of the enclosure to that side, but today I do because I want to go kill those little anteaters, and it just oh. shredded a metal chain link fence, um, which is really intense because they're so like they don't have teeth. Their mouth is like, you know, the, <laughs> their mouth is like an inch across. Um, yeah, Jesus. But I got to feed one. Um, so Jerry, our friend, was like, oh yeah, they. You know, they mostly eat ants, but, you know, who would turn down a delicious fruit juice? Here, take this half of an orange. And so I held the half of the orange up to the side of the enclosure, and it used its tongue to just mash the ever-loving crap out of the <laughs> middle of the orange. Because it doesn't have teeth. It doesn't have, like, its mouth isn't big enough to even... It just squeezed the orange. Oh, an orange. It just mushed the orange up into juice in my hand and then licked it all up with its tongue. It was... It was nuts. Its tongue was so oh, strong. It, used, it still used your hand for a surface. Yeah. So I was holding a half orange and it was like, okay, hold it real hard up against the fence. That, I'm going to just pulverize it with my tongue. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it used my hand as like a, a brace in order to juice this orange with its tongue. <laughs> oh, and then that all up. It was really insane. neat. Yeah. <laughs> the tongues are cool. super strong. Yeah. yeah. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. So you don't want to come in between one and whatever it's trying to get to. Um, so I can't, I cannot stop seeing that it has a panda bear on its on its foreleg. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the picture you posted. You yep. see, look at look at that. It's, all of them have panda bears on their on their front legs. Just saying, folks. Yeah, yep. sneaky little face, though. Yeah, no, it's the not sneaky gross. little eye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is sneaky. <laughs> well, and where's the like? Where's its brain in there? Its head is basically just a tube. Maybe it's in its body. Yeah, towards the back, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's smart. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if that is a form of like semi camouflage meant to make a bug think that the head is where its paw is. <laughs> Meanwhile, the head is actually behind it, slurping it up. Just lie on there. Look at that. That looks almost. Yeah, that, yeah. That's like a distinctive yeah. ear and like. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I don't. Yeah, that that type of camouflage does exist. A lot of bugs do it. They'll have their right, butt end right. look like a head, and their head end be kind of nondescript, so that if they get attacked by a bird or whatever, the bird will attack the wrong end. Butterfly, I don't think, like snakes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the I doubt the ant eater is thinking much about what bugs. Are, are doing if anything i would say maybe it's although there's no predators like where it lives there's not really any predators that would mess with it because it is so dangerous so i don't know why it's so fancy looking and with the weird wild <laughs> panda bear head on its foot and it's got the orange crushing tongue mm-hmm. um but they're not gross eating bugs is smart we're all going to be eating bugs within the next 20 to 30 years i'm going to be eating tofu yeah, there's, there's probably, probably bugs in that. There's definitely bugs in if, that. As long as they wanted to be there. Yes. No. Every bug that ends up in your food committed. To, you oh, know. well, you know, Mark, this is this is a pretty good bridge for. I'm jumping ahead in the questions. Oh, okay, that's fine. The fig question. Mm. So we got a very incendiary question from who is it? Some uh, Eric Patterson. At, oh, that's my brother-in-law. Is that? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Hey, I'm loving learning. Our figs vegetarian. Um, so I, I looked this up. Mark, do you know all about this? I know some about it. Um, Rod, have you heard about yeah, this? The, the fig, fig wasps? Yeah, I've I've heard. Is it is that real? It, it is real. Not for California figs, right? Right. It's a it's a it's a phenomenon that became really well known and famous, but it doesn't apply to all figs, and it certainly doesn't apply to most of the commercial figs you would get. Um, Makes sense. So the fig the fig wasp is a wasp though that specifically exists to lay its eggs inside of a fig. Right, a fig fruit is really weird because the flowers are encapsulated in the unripe fruit and there's a tiny little opening. So imagine, it's kind of like hollow earth, like the fruit is like this globe with a tiny hole in one end, the way that the entrance to hollow earth is at the, you know, the North Pole or South Pole. Um, it and is, so hollow earth is real, everybody. The flowers all point inward. Was there, yes. <laughs> Uh, the fig flowers all point inward to the center of this globe-shaped fruit, and the only way they get pollinated is if a wasp comes in through that tiny opening in the end and then pollinates all the flowers, and then the wasp, you know, is sort of trapped in there. Um, and so if you eat that fig, once it's been pollinated and grows into a mature fruit, then there's, uh, you know, the, the, the trick question that Eric was trying to trip us up on is, you know, forcing us to admit that there might be dead bugs in the middle of your fig. Um, yeah, it's it, it would, and it's not actually crunchy bugs. That's a they're legend. tiny. They're extremely tiny, smaller than a fruit fly. Well, but I'm saying, well, also I'm saying that it's an urban legend that the seeds that are inside of a fig or whatever the crunchy stuff is. Oh, that's the no, pieces yeah, of yeah. the wasp, which isn't true because the because the fruit itself dissolves it into like protein. Pure, yeah, like, and they wouldn't be crunchy. They're really, really tiny, and yeah. But um, oh well, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was, gonna, I was just oh, gonna go have. A, oh, damn it! <laughs> you said go ahead again. Okay, okay. All right, here I go. I'm gonna answer from a vegan perspective, which is that um, while on paper it sounds like that is not what that is, um, the fig wasp is existing, doing that. Like you know, I'm not eating figs, and like. I'm, I'm a little turned off by figs knowing this fact, but I don't think that it goes against veganism or vegetarianism to eat it because the figs are doing exactly what they're, they have evolved to do. They would go extinct if they weren't going into this fig. Yes. Uh, on a related note, which will probably make you feel both better and worse, you um, it is not possible to avoid eating bugs in some form or another, even as the purest vegan in the world, because bugs no. lay their eggs no. on plants. So I mean, everything through an autoclave. Like <laughs> when you bring fruit home from the farmer's market and then you have fruit flies, they didn't come in from, I mean, probably they didn't come in from outside and be like, oh, look, you know, you've got a nice bowl of fruit, I'm going to come buzz around it. The eggs of the fruit flies were already on the fruit you brought home and then hatched, and that's why you have fruit flies. Because those fruits were grown in the real actual world out in you know, a field or on a, you know, an orchard, and there's bugs there and the bugs will lay eggs on your fruit. So at some tiny level, 
you, there's going to be like plants have such a tight, close relationship with all kinds of little tiny bugs that even the most sort of sterilely grown. I mean, I guess maybe if you only ate hydroponic lettuce or something that was well, grown in a lab. <laughs> so, so it's it's not. Some people get caught up in the purity test of it, but I think ultimately it's a choice, which is um, which is abstaining from from commodifying and participating in the commodification of animal products. So things like right. that are okay. The, things like that are passives because that's just sort of just the natural right. way that shit so, goes. Uh, yes, I reaffirm that sentiment, but the bad news is, you know, what? if it does make you feel bad to know that you're eating any kind of animal, sometimes you do eat like a little fly egg or beetle egg or whatever, especially like if you're gardening or if you're getting anything from like a fresh farmer's market that doesn't use pesticides, like it's just, that's just how it is. There's, there's little bugs in there. There's going to be um, some sort of bugs. Well, yeah. it is sad that, that the bugs died and that we eat, we eat them, but I guess. They died so, doing what they love. Can I, being, can I ask being a question? So you're a vegan and you're a bug person. Hell how, yeah! How do you feel about honey? Uh, I don't. I don't like honey because you know, by definition, it's a it's commodifying an animal product. I know that some people see it as a gray area. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to eat honey. But Mark, I don't know if we've talked about this, but. It, this, it kind of ramps me up for something I have been kind of reading about recently that relates to this, which is how honeybees are being promoted as um, going extinct when actually honeybees are thriving because they because we use them constantly and, and capitalism depends on them. It's other forms of bees that are going extinct. Yes, this is a hot topic in bug and conservation worlds. Um, And there's like license plates that say save the honeybees and shit, but it's all like kind of a farce. Right. Yeah. Um, so there are problems with, with like the main industrial sort of European honeybee. Uh, there's mites and infections and things that are, that are, you know, threatening to them. But as you say, they are, especially in North America, the, the honeybee that is like kept in hives to produce honey and is like trucked around to pollinate people's farms, like the business... The business honeybee is not a native species to North America. Um, it is, you know, there are things that sort of threaten the, you know, overall population size of them, but they are protected just as you say, by their very importance to humans, that humans are really putting in a lot of effort to support them and protect them and breed them and, you know, make sure that they do well. The, the downside is that we have tons of really excellent native bees that are also very good pollinators. And so in the bee, in the bee scientist community and in the conservation community, people are really frustrated because like somehow it's reached popular consciousness. Like, oh, protect the bees, protect the bees, honeybees. It's like, no, protect the bees, protect the bees every other kind of bee except honeybees because honeybees are like out competing some of the native ones that should be here. Um, so what we would really like for people to be doing is planting, you know, like wildflower strips, like don't mow the, don't mow the median strip in the highway, plant wildflowers there that are native and support local bee species and things like that. So yeah, so you're exactly right. Honeybees are hugely 
important to agriculture, but there are other bees that should be in the United States and natively are here that are actually imperiled. And those are the ones that, that probably deserve a little more attention than they're getting. And, and I mean, that was a long monologue. <laughs> no, no, that was good. <laughs> it's good. Um, I had heard that, I heard one perspective was that any attention towards bee conservation um, was good because like any funding would eventually go to like preserving the other forms of bees. Like, is that true or is it, does it just work really cynically? <laughs> I don't think it's especially true. I mean, I guess it's good in the sense that people's public awareness of bees might make them, you know, like, because they don't know that most people don't know the difference between a honeybee and a native bee. They, you know, a lot of them look really similar. So they'll see a bee on their flower and be like, oh, this is great. Or, or they'll plant gardens thinking that they're supporting honeybees. And in fact, they're achieving what we really want them to, which is supporting native bees. Um, so the, the public awareness that bees equal good is probably a, a net positive, but in, but I mean it's it's kind of like saying like oh well if we promote things that benefit corn, there's going to be a spillover effect to benefit like rare native flowers. Like, well, yeah, no. yeah. These are a billion, <laughs> multi-billion-dollar agricultural industrial. Right, like it, ne <laughs> it never yeah. works that optimistically, like in sciences and environmentalism. Well, I think that yeah, I mean. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I want. I, I want I it to. Bees. I'm try, I try to be nice to all the bees I see. And that's a good. The more, I mean, and, and that is yeah. People who learn to appreciate and and think that bees are a positive, like that that is a, a true is nice. good to come out of it. You're right in that the consciousness that comes out of it is a positive thing because bees bees should be treated with with love and care and respect. Right. Um, okay. So oh, one time I had bees living oh. in my house. I forgot that I had bees living in my house one time. Oh, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Where were, where were they? Uh, they were like kind of like in an attic area. Uh, um, they like places like that. And like, they were just, so you just see like, you know, the hundreds of bees kind of coming in and out of the house. Oh yeah. But did they <laughs> never like fuck with you? Uh, they didn't, but we, I mean, we did have to call somebody and get the nest removed. Right. But it's like a whole thing. And I I think it's just like, you don't want it to get too big in your house. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, they can get, I mean, the honeycombs can get hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Hundreds so. of pounds. Well, and leaking honey all over your attic and, you know. Ooh. Well, that sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a positive. Yeah. Says it. If you're not a vegan like me. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if it's that kind of, how would you feel if they just lived in your house? It, they're they're living in your house. They're your roommate now. Do you feel comfortable eating your roommate's food? Jesus! Um, <laughs> if honey was dripping through your ceiling into your bedroom, <laughs> would you feel comfortable eating it? I mean, I mean, I guess it's really just not. It's really just not about. Um, you know, the commodification. But with yep. that comes the ethical thing where, like, people get, like, and I try to, just like, yeah, no animal stuff ever. But yep. that's a gray area. If the bee was a roommate, honey was dripping into my mouth while I was sleeping <laughs> from the attic, I wouldn't be pissed. I ain't saying no. I ain't saying <laughs> no. All right. Um, Mark, I, I want to... 
so we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. I wanted to maybe try a lightning round of questions for all of us. Um, okay. We have we have a message here from Nolan. Nolan O. Mark's brother-in-law, right? Other, it's another one of my brothers-in-law. Yeah, I have a big family. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so he he is merely the messenger, by the way, for these questions come from uh, a bunch of a bunch of people. Okay. All right. Oh, here okay. we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Elizabeth's sister, I've got a slew of questions for you. Okay. Number one, are there any bugs that can survive fires? Fire repellent bugs. Fire hardy? Yes. With the caveat, um, <gasps> they may not individually be able to be on fire and live. There are bugs that are adapted to live in habitats that burn regularly. And so they will maybe have, like, lay their eggs deep in, like, the plant roots. So below the ground, when the when everything's burning above it, the soil never gets super hot below the top, you know, a couple millimeters. So that's a so they'll like surviving fire. Yeah, they'll use a technique or to like, like maybe even the adults that happen to be out and about will will all burn up, but they'll but they'll pop back out again in the next generation because they laid eggs in a safe place. Um, so there there are bugs that are adapted to habitats that burn frequently. So I'm going to give that a yes. I don't know. Doesn't sound like there's like armored bugs that if you shot them with the blowtorch, they'd be fine. I mean, there's bugs that live in insanely hot places like the, you know, Death Valley and the Sahara Desert and stuff that had have, have adaptations to being at temperatures that would kill us. And you um, can drop a nuclear bomb on a cockroach, and it'll survive. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful. That shit, by the way, dude. Yeah, it's for science. Oh well, then that's okay. Yeah. What were you saying, Rod? I forgot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would consider the bugs who, uh, if you if you get the next generation, mm-hmm. I think I think that counts as surviving the fire. Thank you. Good. Yes. Jeez. Oh, that's a that's one. probably like California style bugs do that. Mm-hmm. I want I want a raw hardcore bug with armor. There was a lot of worry in Australia after those really 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 especially bad fires that were, they hadn't burned in a really long time. And so then they burned super, super hot um, because of the amount of like debris and leaves that have built up. And they were like, oh, this fire is hotter than the habitat normally can take. So we're a little worried a lot of these specialized things, it might've gotten too hot or like things in the soil, like the fire burned long enough that it actually got hot down under the soil. And we don't know if things are going to come back. And they came back. Lots of the bugs are coming back. All right. Yeah. That's great news. Yep. Two, are there any bugs that can set themselves on fire for protection? Great question. Firefly. <laughs> Firefly? Yep. Oh, wow. Is that what it's doing? Is it fire? Eh. Eh, no. Uh, it was more of a, uh, that was more of a et- etymology joke. Um, <laughs> it was bioluminescent goo? Yeah, it's, it's luminescent goo. So they're, they generate light without generating a any any temperature how do they make that go <sighs> tell me the truth christine might know this the, the oh. firefly the firefly luminescent goo is used in genetics right they've adapted the protein or whatever it is to be a a bioluminescent dye and so it doesn't need uv to light it up it just it emits light on its own well that's pretty cool huh 
I'm not sure. I feel like the way they can turn it on and off is kind of like a, a is it an, maybe an electrical stimulus or is it like a chemical? So yeah, so this might be two chemicals that mix and then they light up when I they're see. mixed or something. So. so it's like PP and spit. Sure. Mix them together, yeah. Yeah. If you mix your PP and your spit together, it, it might glow. We didn't try. We haven't tried. It kind of depends on your... Uh, it's it's genetic thing. So if some people it works, some people it doesn't. I recommend you try it out. Mark did say something about genetics. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just got word from the my household geneticist. Um, luciferase and what's the other one called? Luciferinase. <laughs> Luciferin and luciferase. So it's a it's a protein and an enzyme, and when they interact with each other, it causes it to light up. Wow. So, yeah. Pretty cool. And that chemical has been adapted into a molecular biology tool that's really widely used in science labs. Well, that's, I'm loving to learn about bugs. I ain't got nothing left to say. <laughs> uh, number three, if there are both types of bugs, are, there friends, are they friends with each other? Symbiosis or whatnot? If there are both types of bugs, are they friends? Okay. Is this my sister who said this? I am trying to figure out the wording. Okay, there are is, both types of bugs. Okay, Baron Bugmaster brother, Elizabeth's sister. I've got a slew of questions. Oh, okay, so this is your sister writing from Nolan's account. Yeah. If there are both types of bugs, are they friends with each other, symbiosis or whatnot? So I think ants are friends with each other. Yeah, there's there's types of bugs that can be friends across species. So two different like ant colonies can be friends? I think that, but the question is, is if there are both types of bugs. So I think it's <laughs> the same type of bug. They're both the same type of bug. So yeah, I think a fly could be friends with another fly. They, I think they could also be enemies though. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, ants are usually friends with ants from their own colony, but not with ones from other colonies. But there are lots of uh, other kinds of bugs that have that can live inside an ant colony. Um, the oh. term for that is it's a cool term. It's an uh, the term is inquiline. I n q u i l i n e, and it's a. I mean, I, I'm familiar with it as a different type of insect that its entire life is geared around living inside an ant colony, um, and sort of taking advantage of like maybe it eats their waste, like debris or whatever, um, or maybe it just gains shelter, or maybe it... Some of them are very sophisticated, and they can generate pheromones that trick the ants into thinking that it's an ant, even though it doesn't look like anything like an ant. It'll produce the smell that says, I belong to your colony, and then that ant will re regurgitate a food droplet, and so it'll feed the beetle or feed the caterpillar or whatever. Um, I'd so, love to get it one of those food droplets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the life. Get it, just ants bringing you food droplets all day. Um, and so there's there's a whole diversity of things that live in ant colonies, and they are called inquilines. Apparently, they live in gopher holes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the inquiline must be a term for that lifestyle where you inhabit something else's shelter. Inquiline is Latin for tenant. Mm. Okay. Well, then oh, I like, like movie. 
<laughs> yeah, like the uh, Christopher Nolan movie. They, yeah, that you know that's been in production for a long time. And that's about ants. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I think so. Woody Allen's lead voice. He's really funny. Um. All right. So number four. What's up with moth pupae? Are they alive? Do they used to be a caterpillar? How do they survive in the dirt all winter? Are they eating the dirt? <laughs> so, so moth pupae. What's going on with that, Mark? Are they alive or are they just dead? And then they become alive, again. right? Oh yeah, of course they're super alive. Um, although even though as obvious as that sounds and and is to say, I was surprised the first time I found like a moth uh, pupa in the, you know, I was raking the leaves and I found a, a big moth pupa in the, in the dirt and I picked it up. They are not only alive, they will move around. Like they will wiggle and oh dear. yeah. Like they're not completely motionless, like mummy mummified state. They, they will wiggle and move and, and try to like get away from you. They don't have back. legs. Yeah. It's exactly like a, a, a little, you know, somebody in a sleeping bag wiggling around. Um, they're not very effective at trying to get away from you, but they will jerk around. Um, and it, it startled me. I was like, in hindsight, it made total sense, but uh, the first time I saw it, I was pretty surprised. Um, they don't eat. They, they don't have a mouth. They don't move around at that stage. Everything is all trapped inside the, the, um, the outer cuticle, the, the hard exoskeleton. So they don't, they don't really do anything. They just hang out. They're um, not eating that dirt? They're not eating anything. No, all the, they're, all they're eating, eating is as a caterpillar. So they butterflies, do butterflies and moths never eat? There are some that don't. Um, like if you, you know what a luna moth is? Like the big, it's like a big pale green, like it's a really big fuzzy green moth. Um, because I know some don't like they they yeah. only eat when they're a caterpillar, and then once they become a butterfly or moth, they they don't eat. They're just trying to. Fuck. That's exactly right. Yeah. No. So so there's some that do that for sure, um, and they get they just develop all this fat uh, storage from when they're a caterpillar, and then that fat storage keeps them alive long enough to find a mate and and lay eggs. Um, but there's some that do. Um, there, the mouth parts of a butterfly or a moth are like a really coiled up super long straw. And so yeah. there's the ones that do eat typically will eat uh, nectar out of um, plants that, that provide sugary nectar. There are some that will, there are blood suck. There's a blood sucking moth, I believe that will pierce like a mosquito. It'll use its tube mouth like a mosquito oh. does. Okay. Um, that's really uncommon. Um, but there are some, and there are some that will drink tears to get salt. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the tear moth. Do they, and they, do they try and make you cry? They, or? Look for sad. they try to find depressed people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we talked at one point in a previous episode about um, puddling. And so. Oh, boy, they, this is great. Yeah, so just to, to, to as a reminder, um, puddling is like if you only drink sugar water as your main source of nutrition, your body needs a ton of other kinds of nutrients and electrolytes and, you know, 
salts and proteins and all of those things to be healthy. And so if all you get is sugar water, you're missing out on a ton of that stuff. And so um, poo-poo and pee-pee uh, or tears or sweat, um, there's a lot of secretions from larger animals that contain electrolytes and proteins and things like that. So in the tropics especially, if like a horse is on the horse trail and does a big pee, um, butterflies will come from all around to drink from the pee to get the, the like rare things That's that beautiful. add to their diet. That is um, and tears the same way. Like salt is a, is a pretty precious commodity to a lot of uh, herbivorous or nectar feeding things. So they'll find like a, a cow or a horse or something that's, that's really big and won't really care. And they'll just sort of sip tears from its eye. Oh, the, the beautiful butterflies are just puddling the diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely real. <laughs> uh, number five. Related follow-up. Sam, my 10-month-old, found the moth pupae in the ground and wanted to eat it, but it started wriggling, so he dropped it. What's oh my the, gosh. What's the worst that could have happened if he ate it? And what's the best? AKA, <laughs> could, it, could he have become a pupae and or gotten moth powers? Uh, well, first I'd like to apologize to pupae for saying that they're not good at escaping, because um, this one clearly wriggled around and got away from my nephew Sam. Good job. Uh, yeah. So I guess I learned something about bugs today. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would probably be fine. It turned to eat into it, a butterfly. To eat it. Um, it turned into a moth it's really hard to know what powers uh, Sam might get without knowing what type of moth. You're going to burp one day and a moth fly out. Yeah. That's probably. <laughs> yes. I, that's my new answer. <laughs> well, I think, too, though, eating the moth pupae might kind of be like eating the heart of your enemy. Maybe you would have gotten... Maybe with the sprouted wings, moth wings. Can't, aren't able to fly with them, though. Human body is just too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it for the questions. Unless, uh, Rod, do you have any pressing bug questions? Uh... <laughs> No, I mean, I think, I think, I think we got it covered. I think we did pretty good today. We got to everyone. I mean, we got to a lot of questions, and I, I can't think of anything more about bugs I might need to know. Wow. And I know yes. where to turn to if I have any questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes you just need to digest what you've learned for a while and and then come back. Well, Mark, another successful episode. I would say so. Um, this. Uh, more than any other episode, uh, the, the plug may be unnecessary because surely everyone who listens to us already listens to Rod, but um, we should still... Tri- triple ACR. <laughs> triple ACR and uh, the Patreon and the Twitch streams, which are very fun. Yes, watch Rod's Twitch where he walks around LA. <laughs> it is good. I haven't been doing that for a while, but I, I'm gonna get back to it. We need it. We need it, Rod. I was. Uh, I really enjoyed those. Um, yeah, they were, really, it is good. It's for two, for two years. My wife was living in. Um, I live in Atlanta, and for two years, my wife was living in the Virgin Islands um, for for work, and so I was at home by myself a lot. Um, 
And so I really enjoyed the Twitch streams as a way to socialize and really got through some tough no, times. It was it was definitely fun to to feel like I was going on a walk in Los Angeles or just to chat with the other people in the Twitch stream. Oh, I've been I mean, doing a lot less because she's back now, and so she'd rather spend time with me than have me on the Twitch stream being like, "Shush, shush, <laughs> Rod's, Rod's about to read a gravestone from the <laughs> quiet you." So, um, so I haven't been participating as much recently, but it's it's very fun and relaxing. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's. It's been fun. It's especially during the pandemic. It's given me a thing to do because mm-hmm. uh, I just live by myself. So I, I definitely need some way to interact with people, <laughs> and it's been a nice, nice, nice way to do it. Yeah, internet's not always bad. Just mostly. <laughs> it's true, but there is occasional pockets of weird, nice people, weird, nice people <laughs> that that are cool and bond together. I think that as long as you aren't. Uh, too big, you can actually pretty you can control the type of people who are interested in you. <laughs> An interesting theory, very interesting. I I think as long as you're not too big, I think as soon as you get a little too big, you can't control it as much anymore, and yeah. anybody can come from anywhere. Right. But I think Fan, I'm like fans of stuff enough. that are popular are the worst, but fans of stuff that's not yet popular are usually pretty cool. Rod yeah. is cultivated his fan base. He has trimmed the fat. Sure, carefully curated. <laughs> I mean, I think that mo- I think that they are good people. I like most of them. Uh-huh. I can't think any of the, any of them that I don't like, but there might be one. Wow, <laughs> that, is, that is huge for Rod's fans. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly very cool people. Well, well, how would how do we find your Twitch? Just because I don't happen oh, to remember. Yeah. It's just Twitch.tv/RodneyBerry. Uh, okay. My full name. Very I, easy. I very stupidly have never thought of any other kind of name. Just, just use my full name. Uh, just be. I'm ready to get doxxed, basically. Hell yeah! You got nothing to hide. That's an open invitation <laughs> on our, our children's <laughs> educational podcast. Please dox Rod Perry. Oh, this is children's. Yeah, this is a children's show. Oh my god! I cursed. You didn't. You you cussed. I I, I didn't catch that. I cursed on the show. Oh, well, well, we'll see if we can bleep it out. We've we've had this happen before. Oh I'm boy, sorry. I'm sorry, I cursed. You guys should, you should have really reminded me. The FCC is not. No, no. Honestly, kid. if kids are going to learn it, I'd rather have them learn it from like a trusted adult like like yourself. Right. So. <laughs> kids, if you're going to cuss, do it. Well, do it, while do the it like Rod. All right. I mean, I was I was talking about sex when I said it. Oh, oh so well, that's, okay, that's legit. That's science. Then. That's sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Rod, thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I had a great time. Thank you. All right. So did love, we. I love learning about bugs. That oh, is what wow. we like to hear. That oh, my gosh. We love to hear. We did it. That's going on our front of our brochure. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, thank you as always for your expertise. Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.